0: Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 91 Oh, be wise. Welcome, welcome. How was your week? (laughs) When I reflect on my week this week, I think this is the week that I realized that my kids are getting bigger. Have you ever had a week like that? My oldest is learning how to drive. So he's constantly asking me, hey, mom, can we go out for a drive? And I'm like, sure. Where do you want to go? And He's like, no, I mean, can I drive? And I'm like, oh, thought you just wanted to spend time with me. (laughs) My youngest lost his two bottom teeth. So that's a big deal. That was definitely something like, hello, he's getting bigger. Shoot. (laughs) And I heard my daughter's voice on the phone. I was away from the home and I called and she answered. I'm like, when did you get so big? So anyways, that's when I think about my last week, that's what is standing out in my mind. I hope yours was good. Mine was good too. I mean, those are all good things, but I don't know. They cause a little bit of a lump in my throat sometimes, in my mama throat. Anyways, welcome. (laughs) Jacob chapter 6 is where we're at. And Jacob is ending his three-chapter prophecy with these words, "Oh, be wise. What does that mean to you? To be wise is different than to be knowledgeable, don't you think? Anyone can accumulate knowledge. Anyone can... Collect lots of facts and information and processes and instructions in their mind. And, you know, anyone can state the right answers. They can tap into that knowledge and they can, they can regurgitate it and spit it out. But to be wise is different. I think of it as it's a discipline. You've disciplined yourself to live the right answers. You have the ability to take the principles that you have learned to be true and honorable And then you apply them to a wide range of different experiences so that your character is shining and you can quickly have truth bubble up, complicated, become simple, and reactionary morphs into intentional and deliberate. And Wisdom helps us to focus on what really matters. And it has the ability to help us discern truth from foolishness. I think wisdom can also help us be patient with the long game and not so impulsive in the short. Helps us to be able to visualize the big picture and set our sights on what we're moving towards so that we don't become distracted, that our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions are moving us towards our goal. When we are wise, we can apply the knowledge and experience that we gain to not only our current circumstances, to not only our future circumstances, but that people can come to us and we can counsel them based on the experience and wisdom that we've gained. I have been spared, I'm sure, by mistakes that I could have made because wise people chose to share their wisdom with me and I, in turn, chose to learn from it. Because for them, where a lesson is once learned... Their gain becomes their wisdom to either avoid pitfalls or to at least be fortified so that they can endure the trials well. And I find that there's an assurance and a calmness to those who are exercising wisdom. It's a confidence that everything will eventually work out and it will work out for their good. Because those who are wise, they add a depth and a strength to whoever they associate with. And they do this in, I find, quiet and reassuring ways. It's not flashy. It's steady. Their decisions, we can see, are better ways, the elevated way and the way to everlasting joy and peace, which we crave. Wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom isn't being shrewd. But there's a humility that comes with those who are truly wise. And in psychology today, which I don't normally quote on the Sister Scriptorians podcast, but I believe that there are some observations that they made that can very much be applied to gospel teachings. But they made some observations of what tends to build wisdom in people. First, There is the act of reflecting on past experiences. What did we experience? How did we react to it? What could we have done differently? What, if anything, needs fixing? What went right? What do I want to repeat in the future? How did I show up and was it pleasing to God? And finally, the ultimate question, what can I learn from it? Next, Wise people incorporate past observations and experiences and they develop a new way of thinking and they're able to consider multiple perspectives and bring bits and pieces of truth that they find and things that are admirable in those perspectives and they're able to put that together into a new perspective. It's being flexible that right now you might not have all the answers but as you learn from your own experience plus benefit from the experience of others, The next one that I often see in wise leaders is their ability to act in behalf of the common good. They're working in truth, but they have the ability to see the big picture and how they can move the group as a whole to higher ground. It's seeing the good principle and the standard that we must aspire to, and it's helping the group know how to get there. That's wisdom. And while doing so, Wisdom is exercised and increased when we avoid judgment of other people's behavior and we get to know their hearts. We get to know their motives and the why behind their behavior. We take time to learn their thoughts and their perspectives, not jumping too fast to correct them, but to truly be interested in them. And I have seen and I have felt more love come from this sort of interaction When a person who is wise has the ability to connect one-on-one and use their position not to condemn the masses, but to uplift and embrace them. And this love is founded and powerful because it's founded on respect and value for the worth of souls. Which leads to our last observation, which is that wise people appear to have a sense of purpose and it's fulfilling to them. They're not agitated and worried about their contribution to the world, but they are self-assured. Again, all of their knowledge and experience is applied in such a way that it is propelling them to their desired outcome. And they are fulfilled by that. And hopefully that desired outcome is the everlasting, it's eternal life. Those are the wise people that I desire to follow. In the scriptures, we learn that humility is essential in learning wisdom. In the Book of Mormon, when Alma the prophet was comforting the poor who had been cast out of the synagogues because of their station in life, which, by the way, something was up with that congregation that would cast these people out of their churches. But Alma comforted the group of outcasts by teaching them that this was a good thing for them. (laughs) What? That their experience was humbling them and that this was the path that was going to enable them to gain wisdom, a wisdom that was going to be necessary for them and hopefully propel them to repent and then be able to allow them to gain mercy and then help them endure. That is what wisdom does for us, isn't it? It shows us the better way and then it keeps us steady in it. From the same Alma, we also learn that keeping the commandments is also a partner or necessary in gaining wisdom. Oh, remember my son and learn wisdom in thy youth. Yea, learn in thy youth to keep the commandments of God. However, our own pride is our enemy to being able to gain wisdom because we can be slow to remember God. That is the barrier. Pride is the barrier in developing wisdom because it is too easy for us to be able to rely upon our quote unquote, our own wisdom and believe that we know what is best and then boast in our intelligence and find pleasure and boasting in our own strength, the strength of our abilities. But remember, it was the wise man that built his house upon the rock, and it is wise men. That angels appear to and if we desire wisdom if we find ourselves lacking wisdom remember not knowledge but wisdom a deep understanding keen discernment and a capacity for sound judgment if we are lacking wisdom well we know the scripture it's found in james 1 5 if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god The scripture goes on to say that God gives to all men liberally or in large and generous amounts and upbraideth not. Meaning God doesn't censor us or criticize us for seeking wisdom or needing wisdom. And my experience is that he doesn't just take his flask of wisdom and pour it into our minds. Unfortunately, (laughs) that would be awesome. But we often learn wisdom through our experiences and then developing the sensitivity to listen and seek for the whisperings of the Spirit. That is revelation. That's what our prophet is encouraging us to learn. So with all of that said, what does Jacob want us to be wise about? Remember that Jacob has been prophesying to us. Starting in chapter 4. He prophesied that the Jews in Jerusalem will stumble, that they will reject the stone upon which they might build and have a safe foundation. They had grown accustomed and prided themselves on looking beyond the mark. They despised the word of plainness, and instead they sought for things that they could not understand. And because of this, they wouldn't even recognize Jesus and his doctrine when he lived and walked and taught among them. They would reject the safe foundation. They would reject Jesus Christ. Yet, how can they ever be built once again upon that foundation, upon that rock? Jacob is anxious, he says, for his people, his brethren, his future seed for the house of Israel, for the Jew and the Gentile. These are who the Book of Mormon are written for. He's anxious for them to know that they still can be built upon the safe foundation. It is still possible that Jesus Christ can be the head of their corner, of our corner. It isn't too late. And Jacob indicates that through the spirit of prophecy, he is ready to unfold this mystery unto us. By the way, I love the glimpse of humanity That Jacob reveals in verse 18 of chapter 4. It's Jacob exercising wisdom. He recognizes that there is a fine line between being overly anxious and being firm in the spirit, which, by the way, overly anxious appears to be Jacob's trademark when he is addressing his people. This was a tender hearted man, I believe, who was much acquainted with strong emotions all the way from his father's acknowledgement that Jacob had suffered much because of the afflictions of his elder brethren, to his preaching among his people. But there is wisdom in this counsel of his, and a humility that he makes known to us that for a time being, he intentionally is setting aside his human tendencies so that he can tap into a better, more powerful, a true power source. The Spirit. You know what I mean? Like recall the last time that someone taught over anxiously to you versus when someone taught by the Spirit. Fear and passion can come from the anxious teaching. But hope and motivation is what the Spirit reveals. And just like Jacob promises, he then uses the allegory of the tame and wild olive tree. This is how he unfolds the mystery to us, This symbolic story of digging and pruning and nurturing and grafting was an attempt to show us that there is hope for Israel still. And in chapter 6, Jacob continues his prophecy, assuring us that the gathering in which the allegory talks of will happen. And when the Lord sets his hand again the second time to recover his people, this will be the last time. We are living in that time period of the allegory when the end soon cometh and the Lord's servants are going forth in his power to nourish and to prune the Lord's vineyard. Jacob testifies, he adds his witness that the servants who labor diligently will be blessed and those who choose to remain wild branches will be cursed and cast out. The world shall be burned with fire. Basically, Jacob is saying it's all true. (laughs) It will and must all come to pass. So it's time to make a choice. Choose to repent. Choose to come with full purpose of heart. Choose to cleave unto God. Meaning, choose to make yourself one with him as God cleaveth unto you. That's powerful. Choose to not harden your hearts. Because remember who God is. He is merciful. He remembers the house of Israel, both the roots or the covenants that he has made with you and the branches, meaning all the groups of his children. Remember in the allegory, he took it upon himself to hide the branches and he remembers where to find them. He's the one who shows the servants where to go to gather the branches. He remembers you and he knows the condition of soil that you have implanted in And he knows that he can nourish you back to wholeness wherever you may be. So his hands are stretched forth unto you all this day. He can provide the pruning. He can dig. He can nurture you if you let him. So don't become stiff-necked. Don't deny the possibility of all of this. Jacob asks, will you reject these words? Will you deny the good word of Christ? Will you deny the power of God? Will you deny the gift of the Holy Spirit? Will you quench the Holy Spirit and make a mock of the great plan of redemption which has been laid for you? He can restore you. Thousands of years before you even needed it. The plan was laid and revealed to you in an allegory given by the prophet Zenos. Doesn't that mean something to you? Doesn't that tell you who your God is that you worship? The Lord will gather you home. Your job, in the meantime, is to produce good fruit and to draw strength from your covenants and to be wise. Be wise and gain the knowledge that the prophet Jacob is teaching you, the knowledge of God's plan, of his work, and of his character. Take that knowledge and then wisely turn it into wisdom by reflecting upon its application to you. How are you being nurtured by him? What purpose does he have in the pruning that you're experiencing? What fruit are you producing? And how can you improve that fruit? Are you allowing him to gather you? Or are you choosing to be wild? Is your heart open to his word? And can you testify of his power Because, because it has influenced and changed you. And when you notice that you are lacking wisdom, ask him, ask of God, follow the whisperings of the spirit and allow them to shape your perspective. Recognize that all that you experience is giving you wisdom as you reflect. And as you allow the spirit to help you create a new way of thinking God's ways are not man's ways, but man can learn God's mysteries. And that is wisdom. Remember that the Lord is working in his vineyard for the common good of all of his children, whether they are planted in the poor soil or the best. He is showing up and he is providing them all the nourishment. Wherever you believe that you are planted, be wise and accept the Lord's mercy in your life. For you... But also for others, see them, not just their behavior, but them. Get to know their perspective, their motives, and then help lift them because now you love them. And this is the type of servant that the Lord needs in his vineyard. He needs wise servants who can receive counsel from him and even have angels sent to them to help them in their work. He needs servants to spread that wisdom in a loving way with the clear purpose that we are all striving for exaltation and eternal life. That God's work is to bring to pass immortality and eternal life for all men. All of them are precious in His sight. Oh, be wise. What can I say more? Sister Scriptorians ask for wisdom. Seek the wisdom that the Lord desires His servants to have. Come to Him with a full purpose of heart, choosing to repent, choosing to cleave to God, and choosing to not harden your heart. This is the process of receiving wisdom through revelation from God. He desires you to be wise. What more can He say? Make today a great day.